Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey there, friends. Happy middle of January. Happy hour day. We have a great show for you today. Before we get to our show, I want to remind you, have you heard about our 2021 Marriage Challenge? Yes, we want to be your cheerleaders. My husband, Aaron, and I are super excited about what this year holds for your marriage. We know that marriage is hard work and anything worth doing is often hard. And we want to cheer you on in your journey of marriage, no matter if you're almost married, if you hope to be married, if you've been married five years or maybe 45 years, we want to cheer you on. So we have a marriage challenge. Text the word marriage to 55. Four, four, four. When you do that, we're going to invite you into our special group. Yes, we'll call it a special group where we send you encouraging conversations each month where we have interviews with different couples that we love and respect about the topic of marriage. So join us. Text the word marriage to 55444 today. Okay, on the show today, my new friend, Hannah Brencher is here. She has a book called Fighting Forward that released earlier in the year. I had a chance to read it early and I highly recommend it. Today on the show, we talk about her journey with moving forward literally from an experience in 2016 with depression. She is the biggest cheerleader and wants to come alongside you as you move forward in your journey, whatever that might be. Today, we talk about her particular journey of moving forward. We talk about what it means to actually show up for your next thing in life. We talk about fighting those ghosts that sometimes we allow to haunt us. We talk about social media, all kinds of things, the shows we're loving. It is a really fun happy hour today. I think you're going to enjoy it. Before we get to the show, I must say tomorrow, my oldest son, 17 years old. How did it happen? How am I this old? He's a lovely child. Happy birthday, Caden Ivy. All right, friends, here's my conversation with Hannah Brencher. Hannah, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be with you today. This is exciting because we've never met before, and that often happens on the happy hour for sure, but it's always exciting to have my very first conversation with a new friend where everyone else can listen to it. So everyone, welcome to Hannah and Jamie meeting for the first time. I love it. I know. It's like we all know the same people, but it's like great to meet you even on a screen, you know? I wish I could be with you right now. Don't we all wish we could? I actually have my very first like in-person interview scheduled for the end of January, and I'm just like crossing my fingers and also holding it very, very loosely, you know, that... I mean, I take that back. I think I had a handful of 2020. They were local, you know, so they came in Mm -hmm. and we had safety precautions, all the things. But I, too, look forward to in-person interviews like crazy. But welcome to the happy hour. Introduce yourself to our listeners. 
Hi, everyone. I am Hannah, and I live here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm an author, a writer, a speaker. I'm so passionate about words. That is honestly my favorite thing in the whole entire world is writing books and finding the words to encourage people to show up to their lives, to not be a spectator in their lives. I love that so much. And you're a new mom this year. I am. I had a baby in a pandemic, so (laughs) she's eight months old. I'm still calling her a newborn because I feel like time never moved forward, but I know she's technically now like, what, an infant? Yeah. Well, soon she'll be a toddler. When do you become a toddler? Maybe you have to toddle around. Maybe after she's walking. Yeah, that's what I would assume. She's definitely in that like standing mode now of like she wants to stand on everything Uh and it's going by too fast. I didn't like when people would always be like, it's going to go so fast. And I'm like, no. Yeah, it's really fast. I love that. You know, it's funny because I have all teenagers. In fact, I mean, we have all teenagers in our house, which is the craziest thing to even think about. And I think I read in your book that your husband worked with student ministry, like he leads a ninth grade group or he did Mm -hmm. or whatever. So that's my life at my house. So just imagine your husband showed up at my house. (laughs) Those are my children. But I look back on the infant age and I'm going to sound like an old lady. I just don't hardly remember it. It was so long ago Uh and it was so hard. My encouragement to you and every new mama is I have loved every single season better than the one before. So there's Mm. that. I love that. Yes, I will take that because I feel like, you know, it was hard when she was like just born. And that was the moment that I was like, like, you need me for literally Everything. everything. Like, and I'm one of those people where it's like, I love to give a good pep talk. I'm like, come sit on my couch. I'll help restore your soul. She needs none of that right nope, now. Nope. And so I'm like out of my element. Like my husband is actually stay at home dad right now, which has been phenomenal because he just chills with her and like they do singing hour and they go on field trips. I'm more of like the neurotic, like, are we hitting the developmental milestones we need to hit? So it's like, I'm glad she spends most of her time with him throughout the day. God is using both of you in her lives right now in a unique way. You know, Hannah, right now, I would say that stay-at-home dad is like a more common thing that ever has been. Did you ever see the movie Mr. Mom? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. So that is like the classic make fun of men for not knowing how to take care of a baby, right? It's just like, what was the guy's name in that movie? That I don't remember. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wasn't he Batman too? This is so great. We're on a rabbit trail here. But I love to hear stories about how people are doing their parenting and work journey differently because there's not one that's like best or whatever. It's like for your family, what works best. How did you and your husband Lane come to this? He's going to stay home and you're going to work in this particular season. So he's in corporate accounting and finance. Nothing wrong with that field at all. But it very much, he was just kind of like born, like kind of burnt out on corporate life. It's a very different field. And so especially coming into the season of having a newborn, like we decided to take a job loss in the midst of COVID as, okay, maybe this is something that we need to press into. Maybe where we could look at this as something that's going to fill us with a lot of anxiety. Like maybe God's trying to show us something. And so we just decided to press in and see what would happen and give it like a six month trial. And now we're like at the six months, we have loved it so much. It works for us right now in this season. And I think it's giving him an opportunity to figure out like, what am I passionate about? What would I like to pursue? Like, does this look like part-time work? Does this look like remote work? But I keep thinking, I'm like, we're never going to get this time back where she's Mm. so little that it's like, 
we're never going to regret this or feel like, oh, well, there's a gap in the resume. Yeah. It's just been a really sweet thing for our family. And it's been really sweet to have people be so receptive to it because so many people are like, oh, I would love to have that arrangement. And so I think, yeah, there should be more credit for stay at home dads because they're out there and we Mm -hmm. still have this narrative going that like men don't know how to take care of the baby or like, oh, like leave him alone for three hours and give him a medal if he comes Uh out alive. Exactly. He kills it. We knew from the very beginning of our marriage of like, he is way more the person that like loves to cook and clean and do all the baby things. I'm more like, I love to work. I cook sometimes, but like he's much better at all these things than I am. And so we just lean into our strengths. I love that. You know, you're talking about how y'all had to make this choice and this pivot and COVID kind of, you know, COVID kind of put all of us in a situation of having to make pivots. And, you know, here we are in a brand new year. And I think it's interesting because so many people are going to take this opportunity of January to go, okay, how did I pivot last year? And I always want to be very front and clear that like a lot of people's pivots are not working out positively for them. People lost jobs. Mm -hmm. They lost loved ones. Like I never want to not acknowledge that. But there's also some people who made pivots and they're like, wow, I really see a lot of blessings in these pivots. And I've done that at the end of 2020, looking back and going, man, here are the things that were hard, but look how God showed up and look how this changed things for me. And I think it's really, really cool that you have a new book that came out a couple of weeks ago called Fighting Forward. And when I think about a new year, that's what I think about. And listen, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb here and think that you and your marketing team were really smart about making this a January release with Fighting Forward. Like we are moving forward in the new year. And I love it because that is such a felt need right now. So tell me, not COVID, not pivoting, where did this book of yours, Fighting Forward, come from? So this book was actually born out of a really dark time in my life. In 2014, I went through a life-threatening depression. I was hospitalized. I was immobilized. I went from like highly functioning to overnight, like barely able to do the most basic tasks, like basically doctors that were trying to figure out what it was, like the best that they could describe it was like, it was like a nervous breakdown Mm. and my brain just kind of shut down and it was a terrifying time in my life because I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know if I would ever be able to write again, which is honestly like the thing that just gives me the most joy in the world. And I watched God show up in that really dark time for me. I would say I'd go through it a thousand times more to come back with the firm foundation and the lessons Mm. that I have now. But in the midst of that time, I remember I had a moment, it was on Christmas Eve, that I kind of just like looked around. I looked at like what was happening and I thought to myself, like, I don't like the way that I'm fighting right now. And I want to be careful in saying that because like mental illness is debilitating, but I knew in my own spirit of like, wow, I'm really good at encouraging everybody else, but I have nothing for myself. And so I'm a very practical, tangible person. So what I did was I drove down to the convenience store. I bought a composition notebook. I wrote on the front of it, fight song. And I just started to pour out my heart as like notes of things that I had learned in the dark. And I imagined I was writing it for a one day daughter of mine. I didn't know if she would ever 
exists, but I just knew that like, if I couldn't find the words for myself, I could find them for somebody else. And it turned out that a lot of those words were words that I needed to hear at Mm. that time. And so that was kind of the birth of these fight songs. And then years later, we decided like, let's write a whole book full of these fight songs for anyone that feels like they're in the fight for their life or people that just feel like they're stuck, they're stagnant. They don't know how to move forward. Yeah. You know, I'm so grateful that you wrote this book because I know it's going to benefit so many people who are walking through situations they never thought they would find themselves in. And and you said for yourself, you know, one day you were like, you know, very like living a normal day. And then the next day things were like really hard and out of control. And so can you just talk a little bit about about that because there are going to be people who are listening who A, have walked through that or B, are loving someone who has or C, that might be, you know, the next in their horizon. And so if you could go back to Hannah in 2016, and again, there's no way, you know, 2020 vision is great looking back, but how would you encourage yourself in that particular moment of walking through that such difficult time that you were enduring? You know, I didn't like, obviously, like no one walks through any of those times, like completely perfectly, but I definitely could tell you that like what was happening, the warning signs were happening and I was ignoring them. I was hustling way too much, way too fast. That was what the culture was glorifying at the time. And it couldn't hold. It really couldn't hold. And I think the thing I would go back and tell her if I could prevent anything was to say, hey, you need to root yourself. Like you need to have some sense of home and you need to let people in because Mm. where it happened, it happened in Atlanta and I had just moved to Atlanta six months earlier. And I thought that I could move to a new place on the map and get by without really opening up to other Mm. people, without really planning my roots down. I thought I could still live this almost like a suitcase life where like I grab and I go and I come back, but like, that's not what God had for me. That's not what he wanted for me. And so I would encourage somebody because when that darkness hit, it was real and it was scary. And I remember having to fly back home to Connecticut where I was from because that was where the people who knew Mm. me were. And so I'm so thankful and I attribute my life today to the people that surrounded me in that, that loved me through that that didn't come at me trying to tell me what I needed to change or adjust or like to try to over-spiritualize why I was in this space, but they showed up to do the holding and Mm. to make the cups of tea for me and to just be with me in that dark time. And so I get so much like peace from knowing that like, We talk a lot about endurance. The Bible talks a lot about endurance, but the actual definition of endurance means to remain in existence. Mm -hmm. And that was just some days. And that's completely okay if that's you right now, that it's like, I'm just remaining. That's Mm -hmm. all I have the strength to do. That's okay. And sometimes the victory is putting on the pants. Sometimes the victory is, you know, like, brushing your hair, whatever that is. But those small victories, keep track of them because they stack up. Those are like the breadcrumbs that like lead you out of the woods. That's so good. And let's talk about that, like keeping track of those things, because you talk about that in your book a lot. And I also love how the people who helped you endure, like you've said a handful of times, just even on this show, like you love to cheer people on. You love to be that encourager. And you were at a spot where you needed that so much Mm. in your life. And, you know, I think a difficult thing in the last year of the world is like so many people have been so isolated. And so like how you were isolated when you moved to Atlanta, I think that's been people's reality a lot. And it's not their fault. You know, it's just that's how things have been. But let's talk about that keeping track of those breadcrumbs because I love that. And I will be the first to admit, I don't keep track of like 
successes and wins enough as I mm. should. And I don't mean from like a public thing. I just mean in my own heart and soul. Yeah. How did you keep track of those wins? And sometimes did you have to convince yourself that putting on your pants was a win? Oh, 100%. Because I'm like, oh, hard wing three on the Instagram. <laughs> okay. So like putting on the pants, like that was humbling for me. But I remember there was this one moment where it was me and my mom and we were in a waiting room for an inpatient program. And I wanted to scream. Like I wanted to scream at everyone and just be like, guys, like you don't understand. Like I get things done. Like I'm doing things. And like, there was no point of that screaming, obviously, but that was that humbling moment of realizing, wait a minute. No, like no one asked to be Mm. in this position. And so if the victory is putting on the pants, we're going to take it, right? Like, That's good. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a mindset shift. But like for me in that time, I remember like I have this friend, Chrissy. She's the most amazing friend. And she would let me vent to her over and over and over again about like, you're stuck in your head. You're stuck in ruminations when you're depressed. So you want to talk about things. Like I wanted to externally process everything. And at one point she stopped me and she said, okay, hold up. I want you to pause. This is great that you've talked about it, but we've talked about it enough. I want you to go to Target. I want you to get a box of stationery. I want you to go home and I want you to write thank you notes for every person who has showed up for you to this point in the dark. And she was like, and after that, I want you to take out a piece of paper and I want you to start tracking everything that you do today. Every little thing. You send an email, write it down. You take a shower, write it down. And I want you to look back at that at the end of the day, because like the lie is going to tell you that you're not doing anything, that you're not showing up. And in actuality, you are. And that was a game changer for me. Like that was the start of me being like, I'm going to track everything because I think the lies are loud. And I think the only way sometimes to combat those on top of truth is to say, okay, but like the evidence is right here. There's evidence that I'm showing up. There's evidence that I'm moving forward. But like, I can't reflect on that evidence or rehearse that evidence if I don't know what it is. So good. That's so, 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 so good. I remember this is making me think of this. I'm going to be vulnerable for a second, but there was a hard season that Aaron, my husband, and I walked through marriage. And I recently found this on my phone where I had one day <laughs> written down everything he did that made me mad. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a kind wife right there. Let me tell you, like, (laughs) this is awesome, Jamie. But I found that recently and I deleted it and it made me giggle a little bit and all the things. But you know what it just made me think about? There's no note on my phone about every way that Aaron blessed me one day, you know? And so, like, it would have been really easy for me to look back on that season if that's all I had written down and been like, he's a jerk. But I would have not have written down those wins, those successes, those kind Mm -hmm. moments. And they were there. Obviously, he's a great guy. But it just makes me think so many times we're prone to just want to remember the hard stuff, the the bad things. But you doing that, what a great friend Chrissy is. I know, right? It continues. Like, it's something you have to like, I don't think it's like the only time I'll go through something that I need to remind my soul, like, Mm. hold up, things are happening. Because like, even in the midst of like this hard year, like my husband has lost his job. I'm nine months pregnant and a pandemic has just started. And this was like, at the height that he lost his job was also when they started to take husbands and spouses out of the birthing room. So I didn't even know that I was going to have to do it alone. Did you tell us? I didn't do it alone, (sighs) thank God. But we did everything that we could to make sure that I wasn't going to be alone in there. But I remember he lost his job. I took the dog and I was like, I'm going to go for a walk because I don't know what else to do. We're about to have a baby and there's no job. And 
I got lost on that walk, nine months pregnant. Literally like, lost? Lost, like five miles in and I didn't know where <laughs> oh it was. Oh my gosh. And I remember though that I came across this church and it had one of those, you know, like the little letter boards that yeah. they fill uh-huh. in. And all it said was 2020, the year of plenty. And I laughed and I took a photo of it and I like set a reminder to email me back in July to be like, how did that work out for you? (laughs) Right, right. But I look back and I think, oh my gosh, like it was and has been the year of plenty for us, not necessarily meaning that it was perfect, that it wasn't hard, that hard things haven't continued to come at us. But we have shifted our eyes to say, we're going to figure out what plenty means from God's perspective. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. And that was a game changer because like plenty sometimes looks like we're here and we're safe at home. Yeah, Plenty sometimes looks like the baby laughed for the first time. Mm -hmm. But like, if I don't train my eyes to see that as like blessing, I'm only going to see scarcity. And so it's been a big year of like, shifting the focus to realize we were given what we needed. Maybe Mm -hmm. not the things that we wanted at first glance, but like in this time, like as long as we were able to keep our eyes on it, like we've seen God move. I love it. Hannah, you start out your book and you say, in this very moment, there's someone trying to hold you back. They're strong and persistent and they whisper nearly anything in your ear right now about how to keep you from turning the page or showing up to that event later or finally believing you have what it takes to go after that dream of yours. And you go on and on and on and you describe that person and that name them as fear. And I think fear is like you've written about in here and you talk about your fight song book. Fear is what keeps people back from so many things. And it could be something as grand as what you walked through in 2016. It could be like it's January and someone has an idea. They have a dream. They like have always wanted to do something and they're thinking, this is my year. This is my year. And you talk in this whole book about how to like kind of overcome that. And you break it down into a couple different parts. And the one that you start with is one that I think we hear often, but maybe we hear it so often we kind of get glossy eyes from it and it's just show up. Like when I saw that and I was like, of course, obviously, yes. And then I read it and I'm like, but we don't, but we don't. And so talk to us about like, what do you mean when you're telling someone, hey, you just have to show up? I think it's become a very like convoluted statement, right? Where it's like, Uh show up, show up. That's a popular thing to say. And like, when I break down, like showing up, I really mean like physically, tangibly, practically, you know, like, not like this is a great thought in my head, but like, how do I physically show up to this day? Like, what does that look like? And I know like, it's a crazy time to be like, okay, like, I can't physically show up for some people in my lives. That doesn't give us a pass. That doesn't mean we can't get creative with it. And so it's being willing to, in my own definition of it, say like, well, I could make an entire to-do list today that has all to do with me, right? But if I don't think about other people and how I want to show up for them, I'm missing so much of the joy in life. And the same thing with my own journey is like, okay, well, whether I want to run a marathon or I want to eat healthier, or I want to finally be in the word this year, like that's going to require me to actually physically show up to something. And I think that we're in danger of just like living this really spectator life. Like we're treating each other's lives. Like this is a spectator sport. And if I just watch you live your life to the best of your ability, that's enough for me. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I want people to put the phones down and I want them to go out and do the things and then sure, come back and tell us about it. We'd love to cheer you on. But like, if I spend all my day watching you live your best life, I'm not actually giving the world what I need to show up and give the world. 
If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike, and it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. You talk about that in your chapter down in part two called Watch the Foxes about, yep. you know, like putting your phone down and living your life. And so let's talk practically about that. OK, like I love practical stuff as well. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking back to one of the most like biggest dreams that I ever had was to start a podcast. And this year will be 
seven years ago. And I remember it came to a point where it was like, am I going to keep talking about it or am I actually going to do anything about it? And that when you're talking about that show up, like it wasn't just I had to be like, I'm going to start a podcast one day. Like I had to make like a list and I have to actually physically push record, like show up to that thing and then try it. But let's talk about the foxes. All right. First of all, explain to the listener where this comes from. And then let's talk about the phone and your journey with that. It comes from an Oswald Chambers quote um, about like, beware and watch for the little foxes. And the little foxes are actually, they're in the Bible. I just had never seen them before, but like foxes are the ones that come to steal from the vine. And so, you know, I pressed into that to give it my own little spin of like, okay, what are the little foxes in my own life? And I would be lying if I didn't say that a lot of times it was social media. For a long time, I was in this constant battle with social media. I feel like I've definitely come to a place of like having a much healthier relationship with it. But that's because I had to say, okay, like I set a resolution like a few years ago of like, I want to read more and scroll less. And that was the start of it. But like, you can't just set a resolution. You have to say, okay, what am I actually going to do? And so it's little things all over my life. Right over here on my desk is a box that I call the phone box. And so- Oh, can you show it to me? Because I read about it, but I want to see what it looks like. And sorry, listeners, let me describe it. I'll do the best radio. It is- literally a box from Ikea. It is a box from Ikea. It says be present on the front. Use a label maker and wrote be present on it. Okay, tell us what you do. Because I was curious when I was reading, I was like, is this like a Kleenex box or what? Okay. It could be though. I I don't want anyone to go out and buy a box. Yes. You have a box. You have a, um, Amazon came to your house plenty in December. You have boxes. Yes. Exactly. It literally just sits at my desk. And whenever I am going to go and create something, whenever I'm going to show up to write, I put my phone into the box. And I don't take it out until I feel that sense of completion until I feel like, okay, I've shown up and created the thing I needed to create for the day. And I can take the phone out of the box. And Hannah, I'm telling you, I love this so much. And I'm like imagining that in my office, we're going to have a be present box. And I'm going, yeah, I know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you did that because you realized I'm scrolling more. And listen, it's the middle of January, guys. If you don't have a New Year's resolution and you need one, Hannah just gave you one. Read more, scroll less. There you go, guys. Put that on a print somewhere and slap that up in your office. Get you a phone box and you're good to go. Yep, that's it. And I think it's like being willing to say, oh, I'm fed up with where I'm at right now. I'm fed up with this because I have conversations with people every day about how tired they are of social media and yet they don't make any changes because Mm. social media is not going away. Social media is also a very beautiful thing and social media was always meant to be social. It was meant to be something where we didn't just lurk on each other's pages. We can interact with one another on social media and I think that that's really beautiful but I also think that like, If we don't have boundaries, of Mm. course, your soul is going to feel stretched thin. You know, I was going to do this last year and I ended up starting and then didn't finish. So it feels like a weird thing, but anyone else could do it if they wanted to. I had made a decision and maybe I'll still do this this year that I was going to only follow people on social media that like I had their phone number. Mm. Now, where that gets hard for me is I sometimes follow people I'm in an interview, blah, 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 blah. It's like work stuff. But you could actually do something like that when you're like, if I'm going to use this for a good intention and it's going to be for me to be social, like you said, because social media is beautiful. It really is. Like I love seeing my friend's kids and, you know, all the things that they're posting yeah. about. But what if you were like, I'm just going to not randomly follow people because I heard someone said it on this show. I feel like they said that they knew more about someone else's life that they'd never met than some of their friends. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of hit me like, man, at the end of the day, 
Do I know more about, you know, I don't know, Kelly in Oregon, who I've never met, but she has a really beautiful feed, than my girlfriend right here. You know what I mean? It's a conversation worth having with yourself. So I love that you did that. Yeah. And I think the boundary, like it's going to look different for you than it looks for me, but like, you know what you need to do. It's just a matter of like the doing it, right? So good. Yeah. You know what I have done in all seriousness, there have been a lot of times that I have deleted and like, I'll do the work I need to do on Instagram and then I'll delete it off my phone. Mm. And it's a pain reinstalling the app every day. But you know what? Sometimes hard work for disciplines is worth it. Am I right? I agree. I sign out on Fridays and I come back sometime on Sunday. And it's like making myself do a Sabbath because it's like I started that at the beginning of the year. And then when COVID hit, I just was like, yeah. for some reason, I felt like I needed to be on 24-7. That was not healthy at <laughs> I know, all. I know. So I'm now back to my Sabbath. I love it. I love it. You know, something else you talk about in this book that I think is like so big. It's in part three about roadblocks and plateaus. And you talk about give up the ghost. And I think that is maybe a scary thing for people to think about and walk through of having to let things go that have been hard for them. Can you talk about that a little bit with us? Yes. And I really want to approach it delicately because I do know that like some of the ghosts are very real. Sure. And so in no way is it like you shouldn't mourn, you shouldn't grieve the loss of like a life that you didn't live or a life that you didn't have. But at the same time, I find that like Sometimes we want to move forward, but we just don't. We tell ourselves reasons why we shouldn't or why we need to stay in this past story that like doesn't fit us anymore, you know? And like, I've had to make those decisions in my own life of like, I could very easily just say like, well, you know, I deal with depression and so I can't really show up and I can't really do things that like are hard or uncomfortable. And like, it doesn't mean that like showing up is any easier. It just kind of means that like, fear is not going to affect the outcome of how I feel like I'm getting back in the game, so to speak. And so it's like, it does not mean in any way that that is an easy thing to do. But I think so often, like we have like, whether it's a relationship that ended or a job that we lost or a friendship that ended, no one ever talks about friendships ending and it's hard and it hurts, but reaching a point where you say, okay, like I need to let this go and I need to move forward. Now it doesn't mean I'm not going to pick it up again tomorrow, but like, I'm just going to keep placing it down and realizing that there's still good things left for me in this lifetime that I have to go after. And if I let all my thoughts be consumed in this one area, I'm going to miss out on a lot of other things. So good. So good. I'm going to read from your book, if that's okay with you. I love these words in this chapter. I was hoping that we got to talk about this. You say this at the very end of the chapter. You say, but at some point on some beautiful day, you will know it's time to calmly tell the ghosts I've mourned enough and now I'm Mm -hmm. saying goodbye to you. You cannot follow me into this next chapter. I must go on my own and walk into whatever is coming next. Because no matter what the size of the ghost is or the stories you've told yourself, you deserve to be free. You deserve to move forward unhindered by whatever was in your past. And then this last chapter, you said this. Your story isn't over just because he didn't love you back. Your story isn't over because you made the mistake and now you think it should disqualify you. Your story isn't over because the expectation was popped or the ring didn't come or the baby didn't make it. You are allowed to pack up your things and leave the ghosts and ghost stories behind. That doesn't mean you will never mourn the loss again or feel the grief of things that didn't happen. But there is power in believing that these stories cannot hold you back, define you, or keep you from moving forward into new things. I love that part because it reminds me a lot of what I hear from a lot of women of I would say that their ghosts would be, and a lot of women that I talk to would be shame. 
Like they Mm -hmm. feel like I can't do this because I did that, or I don't deserve this because I once did this. They're Christ following women, but they're stuck in this shame and this cycle of guilt. And I'm one of the cheerleaders who just want to say that that's not your defining purpose. That's not who you are. Like God has said, like, I made you a new creation. And so the old is gone and the new has come. And that was one of my favorite chapters. I just want to tell you that I loved it so much. But what has that been for you? What are some of the ghosts been that, you, that you've had to leave behind? Honestly, like this whole concept of ghosts like came from like, I think I wrote about it in Fighting Forward in that chapter of like, you know, getting over that first lost love. We've all been there before. And I really realized that it was holding me back from ever even allowing myself to be in other loving relationships because I was afraid of the same outcome. And I physically wrote a letter that I never sent, but like, it was almost like a goodbye, like closure for myself. And so I think whether it is, you know, a romantic relationship or like, you know, for me, it's like, you know, having lost a friend, that is an incredibly hard thing. And I think it makes you feel like maybe I am, maybe I'm not a good friend. Like Mm -hmm. maybe I shouldn't put myself out there or trust people. And I want to encourage that person that is in that because it's like, no, like it's okay to savor what the two of you had in that time. And it's okay that it didn't last forever. But if you spend all of your time thinking about what went wrong or how could I have done it differently, you're going to miss all these people around you that need you to show up with friendship for this next season ahead. And so, yeah, the ghosts are hard, but... They're so hard. I'll be vulnerable for a second. I had thought about this when I was reading that part, and I thought about it with parenting. I mean, I've been a mom for 17 years. Mm. And I would say just like everything else you do in life, you grow and you learn and you get better. You make mistakes and you apologize and you move forward. And I think a lot of times in parenting, we feel like when I'm a brand new parent, I need to be the best parent I can ever be. And I just think I've grown and evolved into the mom that I am today. And I would say there have been seasons where I've had to let go of go. Like, I made a mistake. I didn't handle that situation Mm. well. But like you said, like, if you carry that into all your friendships, you're going to miss out on some of the blessings. And that's for me as a mom. Like, if I carry that, like, I cannot believe I handled that that one time, I'll miss out on how it looks the next time. And so it's so encouraging and also so very dadgum hard. Oh, I know. You wrote a letter to yourself. I mean, that's like, you're like, I'm giving some closure here. Well, because I think a lot of times, especially like I encounter this with my readers, is that they think closure exists somewhere in a coffee shop with somebody that hurt them. You know, like they think it has to be. Like you have that meeting and you say, you hurt me and they say, I'm sorry. And you say, I forgive them. And then you smile, shake hands and move on. I think especially now where like the majority of relationships happen online, they people meet on dating apps. That's where me and my husband met. Like ghosting is actually an incredibly common thing. But like what we don't realize that we're doing is we're damaging one another in the process. Like we're not finishing well. We're not just ending it with like, hey, to be honest, I don't think it's going to work out. I don't think we're meant for each other. And so we're carrying all these wounds into new relationships. And so like this was before ghosting was a thing, but I realized like, wait a minute, like I want you to go out there. I want you to kick butt. I want you to meet somebody who's going to love you and you can love them well. And I know it's not me and that's okay because I'm going to do the same thing. Mm. But at the end of the day, if I'm thinking we need to meet in a coffee shop to like, that's not closure. That's me holding on. And so I decided that it was time to give myself closure. And every person has access to that. And I would say it's even more powerful. Yeah, you wrote it. Entitled it closure. 
in your little Word document. <laughs> and that, is it, did you delete it? Do you still have it? What's going on here, Hannah? I have that computer somewhere in a box <laughs> somewhere. And I'm sure that doesn't mean that I didn't ever think about that person again. For sure, like, for sure. That was so impactful for someone to look me in the eyes and say, someone has hurt you really badly before and I don't want to be that person. So I thought, whoa, if I don't realize it's a parent, clearly it is. And I've right, because he can something. tell. Yeah, yeah. He you can had to tell and he met me like three hours ago. <laughs> right, right. If we have you back for another show, we're going to talk about all these things with dating. But that term ghosting, I never really associated them together. But, you know, I'm 42 and been married for almost 20 years. I'm past that like online dating era that wasn't around when Aaron and I were dating. But it is a thing I hear my single friends talk about and how damaging it is. And... How hurtful it is. Yes. Another show, another day. (laughs) We could go there. We We could go go there there because I would love to just encourage people. And you know what? I'm going to make a note. We're going to do a show about how not to date. Come on. Because like we met online. So I have done it the right way and the wrong way. So I'm an open book. Let's go. So crazy. (laughs) So crazy. Hannah, I am cheering you on in this book and the words that you're releasing to the world because they matter. It's called Fighting Forward. It actually came out a couple weeks ago. Your nitty gritty guide to beating the lies that hold you back. And I would say that this book is for everyone. There's no one that doesn't have lies that are coming in their head on the regular every day because that's just the world that we live in. It's a broken world and there are full of lies that are coming at us. And so thank you for writing these words. I'm super blessed by them. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. I have a feeling you're a reader. Am I I right? I am. I am a reader. Tell me something that you've read or anything you read in 2020 that you loved or what are you reading now? So I'm reading a book right now called French Kids Eat Everything. Okay. Uh, Is this a parenting book? (laughs) I only read French parenting books. (laughs) Oh. Yes. And I'm not like sophisticated. I just have become kind of enamored with French parenting. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. Like I wanted to read a parenting book that read kind of like Julie and Julia. And my friend recommended this book called Bringing Up Baby. And it's phenomenal. It's amazing. And you can learn how to be a parent while also reading a great book. And so now I'm on this French parenting kick. And so this is a book about like giving your kids literally everything to eat. So Okay, I love it. So the French parent for the win. I love it. Are you and Lane TV watchers? Y'all watching anything these days? We are TV watchers. Okay, we watch a lot of like dark murder stuff. Is that okay to say? I'm here for it, yeah. Okay. We just watched Murder on Middle Beach. 
Never heard of it. So it's an HBO documentary. Okay. It's a little bit cryptic because like it took place like 20 minutes from where I grew up and like I vividly remember it in the news. Oh, wow. And if you are a crime junkie though, like it's definitely complex. And- Murder on Middle Beach. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> I like shows like that actually. So I like them for maybe different reasons than other people. I like to watch them so I'm prepared for if I'm ever on Middle oh. Beach, I'm not going to get murdered because I'm going to know <laughs> what happened. So I, these are all like proactive learning shows for me. I don't know what's wrong with us. And we're like, it's the end of a day. We put the baby to bed. We're like, let's put on Hannibal. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. We just finished watching the first two seasons of Yellowstone. Okay, I've not watched okay, that. Okay, it's Kevin Costner and he runs a ranch in Yellowstone. And if anyone's listening, I mean, I'm not like watching it like attractive to Kevin Costner, but I do like like older cowboys, like old men cowboys, like George W. Bush. He's like my favorite old man cowboy. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So anyhow. Have you watched The Queen's Gambit? I'm in it. Oh my gosh. I'm liking it. I can say it like that. And I feel bad. I feel like I need to whisper that because everyone's raving (laughs) about it. And I'm like, I like it. Yeah, we liked it. And then we like loved it. Okay. At the end, we're playing chess now. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, I'm loving Yellowstone. So I expect to be riding horses and getting a ranch any day now because that's the life I want. We'll have to check that out. We'll have to put a pause on like Hannibal. (laughs) Come back and just see a cowboy. Well, there's a lot of unnecessary drama over at Yellowstone, but whatever. Hannah. Thank you. It's been a joy to have you today. Thank you for having me. I am just excited about what you're doing in 2021. And so the happy hour is a fan of you. So thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Take care. Friends, I hope you loved it as much as I did. Maybe you developed a new motto from listening to the show. Maybe you want to read more and scroll less this year. Or maybe you're going to develop a phone box in your house, in your office. I have a small suspicion that we have a phone box in our office after this episode as well. Today's show is edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper. The music for the show was developed and created by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abby Castell, and the whole thing is organized and produced by Lindsay Sweeney. I'm your host, Jamie Ivey, and I am so happy that you joined us today. Have a great weekend. Have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys back here next week with another great happy hour. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.